0: This is Calvary Baltimore's Harford County Bible Study with our senior pastor, Josh Plantholt. Here's Pastor Josh.
1: Matthew chapter five. Hi. Now, if you remember, we've been walking, walk, Jesus has been retelling the story of Israel. I'll spare you all the little steps and nooks and crannies there. But uh, the short end of it is, we, he, Jesus is, he's gone through baptism, which was a type of Red Sea. He faced the three temptations of Satan in the wilderness, which were reflective of the three temptations of the Israelites in the wilderness, the of grumbling for bread, of the golden calf, and the like. And then finally, uh, the people in the wilderness, in the Exodus, were brought to Mount Sinai, where God met with Moses and gave a new law. Now the people are up on the Mount of Beatitudes, the Mount uh, uh, on the Sea of Galilee to receive a new law. So again, Jesus is a new Moses, but he's also a new God. <laughs> um, or he's God. So uh, that's where we're at. Jesus is... I'm
0: sorry, you say that
1: I'm Just kidding. You want me to go back further? Because I will. Matthew 1-1. No, no, no. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go back even further. We'll go John. In the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, verse 1, you're a troublemaker today. I can feel <laughs> it. <laughs> <Little> dude, <yeah.
2: laughs>
1: Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The... The first people in the kingdom of heaven are the poor in spirit. Again, that, as we talked about last time, are those totally dependent upon God for survival. They have no resources in and of themselves for salvation, uh, which I think is a direct shot across the bowels for those that believe in justification through works. I can be saved because what I bring to the table... <laughs> very first sign of the per- very first person Jesus describes as what in the kingdom of heaven are those who know they can't be in the kingdom of heaven in and of themselves. Uh, verse four blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So uh, there are nine beatitudes. Uh, if you remember the ninth beatitude, last time we talked all about structure. The ninth beatitude is a conclusionary, a summary beatitude. So there are really eight. There are eight in the body, and the ninth is the conclusion. And the first and the eighth end uh, have the same promise. For theirs is present reality, present blessing, the kingdom of heaven. So to pull all this together from, from a chiastic structure, all these promises of blessings can be set in the future. But there's also a sense that they are already being blessed by being in the kingdom now. The the poor in spirit are presently in the kingdom of heaven. And what we don't want to miss, are those in the kingdom of heaven blessed? Yes. So they're presently blessed. Uh, so, so we don't we don't want to put all, all the beatitudes in a box with the words blessed on it one day when I'm dead. A box. <laughs> That's the wrong way to read Jesus' promises. Um yeah, yeah. well, that's how a lot of people look at it like, well, when I'm dead, it'll be better. It's like, well, that's not how Jesus talks about faith. Um, and then and notice it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The mourner is promised comfort in the future, and that's a blessed promise. However, the mourner is also blessed because they're in the kingdom of heaven. So there's Paul's be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing there's a tension there there's there's a now not yet of a blessedness and again i think this is important because christians can get into a kind of set pessimism about their faith you know um and i think it's a natural fit because everyone in our culture is becoming a victim of something (laughs) uh and and people are tempted to stay perpetual victim victims but i Again, that has no bearings in anything Paul line, certainly. Behold, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I mean, you, you, you wouldn't hear half the Christians say that today uh, because they're always in a state of being beaten. It's like, no, 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 no. We're, we're winning. God's kingdom is on the move. We're blessed already for being in the kingdom. We know God. That's a blessing. We are his people now. That's a blessing. Uh, We should be flourishing in godliness. That's a blessing, you know. Hopefully, you can look back on yourself ten years ago and see that you've been more sanctified in your walk than you were ten years ago. And if not, there's a problem. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about the fervor and the zeal they had when they were first saved, and I always get really worried when I hear that. It should be more. It should be growing. You know, and I think that comes into the parable of the sower. You know, the worries of the world came out like weeds and choked out the life. You know, it's so. I think one of the questions I always have for those people: it's like, okay, how are you reading your Bible? Are you in the Word? And sometimes they're just going through the motions. You know, the, a daily devotion can become a rosary. You know, you can. You know, that's a, that's a trap too, but that's a whole nother thing I don't want to get into. Um, so we're blessed now. Now, what does blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted mean? And again, like all the Beatitudes, the context is framed within the kingdom of heaven. We have to remember these are kingdom (laughs) toots. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so, what does "Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted" mean? Because we can mourn for lots of reasons, and sometimes people, the the ungodly, mourn for ungodly things. So to think that they're going to be comforted in their ungodliness is a, is a trap. Uh, so again, I think the first thing we have to remember the context. It's within the context of the kingdom. So this is talking about the poor in spirit. It's the poor in spirit who are mourning, who are going to be blessed. It's the Christians who are leaning upon God, who are mourning, that know they're gonna be blessed. Well, what what do the poor in spirit mourn for? Well, the poor in spirit mourn because they are not as righteous as they know they ought to be. It's one of the reasons we know we're poor in spirit. <laughs> we know we're not holy enough to stand before a holy God. You know, you ever you ever have that sense? It's like, man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and in a sense, it's like, God, you got it. Jesus, if you're if you didn't cover all my sins, I'm in so much trouble because there's nothing I can do. Uh and so there's a sense of mourning there when we sin. We re-enter into that, you know. Oh, wretched man that I am. Uh but also portions of the Beatitude are built upon a text uh in, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 61. So, some of the Sermon on the Mounts built upon Isaiah 61. And, and the mourner in Isaiah 61, verse 2, are those who God defends because they are mourning over cultural sins and injustice. So, for example, I just saw this morning on the news right now in China, they're having a COVID outbreak, and have, they have a zero COVID policy. And if you have been around someone contact tracing that has COVID, you now are you are in trouble. So what they're doing is they're shutting down whole communities, uh, and they're locking them in their apartment and welding the door shut. And if you don't have enough food, too bad. That's what they're doing. Well, last night uh, a fire broke out in one of the apartments, and 32 people burned alive in in this. And you could hear people in the other apartment buildings also locked in screaming and crying because they could hear the people burning alive inside of their apartment buildings. And that is the mourning that Jesus is talking about. The the believer who mourns over oppression and injustice and and sin, uh, they will be comforted. You know, we see, you remember the Israelites under the bondage of Pharaoh, in, in the Exodus that says their cries came out to God and he heard them uh, that, that there's almost some some echoes of that there that God hears the cries of his people and and yeah, they're blessed because they're in the kingdom of God now but there's also a sense that there's coming a time where they will not be afflicted anymore. That's that beautiful. Beautiful exclamation of praise in, 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 in Revelation. Uh, uh, every tear will be wiped from their eye. The, the, the sun will scorch them no more. You know, he goes through all of these things. There will be no more pain for the former things of for, The former things have passed away. Um, Now, this mourning over sin and injustice doesn't just stop at others, though. It also involves ourselves. (laughs) Uh, I want you to notice here, it's not blessed are those who find sins. (laughs) It's not blessed are the fault finders. And not blessed are the finger pointers. (laughs) Yeah, uh, there is such a deception and a sensitivity to sin that we can then use it as a great evil. Uh, Jude Jude talks about this as that that there were people that had debased themselves like brute beasts who became fault finders. Uh, yet they thought it was a virtue. You know, you'll see this a lot in bad marriages or relationships. They can point out every bad thing you've ever said or done, <laughs> and they'll beat you down with it. Um, but that's not virtue. That's evil. You know, that that that's... And it's not talking about someone who's constantly disturbed because everyone else is a moron. You know, it's not that kind of a thing. Uh, it's those who see sin and mourn over to have a righteous response to sin. Uh, you know, they mourn, they're upset because things are not the way that they should be in not only others, but also themselves. Um, verse 5... By the way this is the last this we're only going to do this one more tonight cuz this is, this is, we got all, we got a heck of a ride before us on this one. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. I've always loved that verse and I hardly understood what it ever meant. <laughs> well, this beatitude is drawing from Psalm 36:11. Um Psalm 36:11 says, "But the meek shall inherit the land." You see it? The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. First, what is meekness? That, that should be defined. And it seems to mean humility mixed with freedom from malice or a vengeful spirit. Uh, and why this is so interesting is because this plays off, the, off of the first two uh, Beatitudes. Uh, we have the poor in spirit. We may have a knowledge of our own spiritual bankruptcy. Then we, have, we, we may even mourn for our own sins or the sins of others. But now the third one, the meek, this beatitude may be saying, blessed are those who respond with meekness when others point at and tell us of our own bankruptcy. So this one's how we respond to difficult people. The first one's recognizing we're difficult. <laughs> the second one's recognizing that we're under difficulty. The third one is then recognizing just the depths of our, uh, dealing with difficulty while we're also still difficult and learning to rein that in. Uh, and, and so the outworking of meekness is how we respond to others. Someone who's meek on a desert island, there's no way to gauge it. <laughs> but someone, you know, you, I was at the, I was at the um, hospital or the, the doctor's office the other day and people were just calling up the phone. I could hear him yelling over the phone at the poor receptionist, like she's the problem for all of their health issues. And she's trying to stay calm. And I'm going meekness. Mm-hmm. She's being kind in her response to crazy people. <laughs> she's responding with, with, with godly gentleness without malice. Um, Uh, And so this must be meekness in the face of malice, uh, specifically difficult people. Hello. Uh, This is a meekness, again, as we connect it to the Psalms, that pursues peace. So the first two Beatitudes are the godly's response to others and to our own personal assessment of others. But now this third Beatitude is possibly uh, much more difficult because it's much easier to criticize ourselves than to be criticized by others, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, and then to not lash out when it happens is then even tougher when we're criticized, uh, which I talked about today on today's B side. I I I'll, I'll share this story quickly, but I had I had someone. This happened on two different occasions. Uh, both times there was um, substance involved. They were they were they were struggling with either alcohol or heroin or something. And they freaked out at me, like lost their mind, berated me, called me all sorts of things. And of course, my first response is to, you know, lash back, but I didn't, by the grace of God, I didn't. I just took it on the chin and okay, well, God bless you. And then uh, in one instant, it was a few months later. And then the other instance, it was two weeks later. You look fantastic, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is working. young. Oh this is working. <laughs> you look good, man. Thanks. This is... Oh yeah. No. Oh, oh, yeah. Do you like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? It, well, I, I prefer
0: anything that's not a sh-
1: clean shaven. Okay. He's got a
0: baby face, but... I do.
1: Yeah. yeah. Sorry, back to the study. I just, I got, I got captivated with what was happening. You came down the steps like an angel.
2: You uh, <laughs> didn't say that when I came in. <laughs>
1: well, you, if you grew a mustache like that, maybe we would talk. Maybe I should quit watching. TMI. Uh, <laughs> so this meekness is kindness in the face well anyways in both of these instances um, the person came back and apologized um, without me saying anything because when I saw him I said oh great to see you and they're like oh I'm so sorry you know they realized what they had done and and it was it was the meekness that brought him back it brought him back from from the from where they were at and so meekness therefore requires such a an honest view about ourselves, because I realize when someone's difficult with you, you realize, well, my goodness, I'm difficult. When you're dealing with sinners, the best thing in the world that can happen is you realize that you're a sinner, because <laughs> it doesn't make you judge that person for being a sinner. Um, and you know, and then of course all of that stems from having an understanding of the cross. And so the, 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 this is the opposite of someone who's easily offended. You know, people that are easily offended. And then there are people that get offended about just everything imaginable. They are that sort of a person. That would be the opposite of meekness. And so, you know, when you find people that are constantly lashing out or in contention, um, responding to, you see some people, they can't let a comment go on Facebook. They just got to give it back. that's lacking meekness. <laughs> and a very typical response to this is to think, well, you don't know what I'm dealing with. If I'm counseling someone and they're now getting in screaming matches. Well, you don't know how much they are cra- They drive me crazy. <laughs> uh, and that's true. I don't know what they're dealing with because I'm not living there. But a really good word, people don't make you what they are. They reveal what you are and when people start poking at you sometimes that bear comes out and you it's a reminder no you're a bear <laughs> you know that this this thing can lash out and so what Jesus is describing here and then of course what he exhibits cuz Matthew the way he's telling the story we also almost don't really know anything about Jesus so far this is sort of the first introduction to what Jesus is saying and doing, and next it's going to be what Jesus does, okay? So he's describing what Jesus says, and it's going to be followed up with, he lives it. Uh, and so Jesus is telling us about this meekness, and then is going to exhibit this meekness, and all of it's supernatural. None of us have the resources to do this in and of ourselves. Um, and again, but this is part of the blessing of being in the kingdom. Once you're poor in spirit, you can enter into the meekness. The poor in spirit, and of course as we, we don't want to disconnect any portion of scripture from other portions of the scripture. Uh, what did Jesus say? Uh, we need to be born again to enter into the kingdom. And so we're born into the kingdom. And then God raises us in the kingdom. And so there's a progression here. Um, once we come to that God, I'm doomed unless you help me, we then can enter into the supernatural provision, that is the meekness, uh, of course, through his Holy Spirit. Uh, And so again, meekness is almost the antithesis of pride. When pride gets wounded, it lashes out, but when the meek gets wounded, they respond with grace and pursue peace. Um, and so again, meekness is a very supernatural Christ-like attitude and God has to do it in us because no one's born meek if you've ever raised children. <laughs> They're not born meek. But I think what's cool, so I, I do this, I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. And 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 for I don't our father who art in heaven, hallelujah, anything check, you know, I don't do that. But I use it as a launching pad, you know. Uh, our Father who art in heaven, thank you for being my Father. Thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for creating all things. Who art in heaven, holy. God, help me to be holy. Help us to be holy as you are holy. Help me to regard your name as holy. Speak of you as holy. Um, thy kingdom come. Help me to move in the energy in the direction of your kingdom. Help me to enjoy the blessings of your kingdom. I do this every day. I go through, I go through. But one of the things that he does Forgive us of our trespasses. A trespass is a willing sin. I'm going to (laughs) sin. And then you sin. Because you can sin in the heat of the moment. Or you can meditate and plot the sin. You know, you'll see that with a young, you know, teenagers. They will... Well, their parents are going to be gone on Saturday. If I get enough cash, I can get the car and get there. by, you know, and they've plotted out, you know, a a whole bunch of debauchery. You know, that's a trespass. They knew what they were doing and plotted to do it. Uh, And Jesus says, forgive us. He instructs us to pray, forgive us of our trespasses as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. So there's meekness built into that. God... Forgive me as I've forgiven those who have lashed out against me, who've plotted against me. And, and, and what's built into that framework, as I've chewed on this every day for a while, is I need to respond with meekness to my trespassers. And to and every day to pray that I'm meek when these are seasons arise. Because there's always new trespassers. <laughs> as I'm always newly trespassing, you know, so that there's this continuous effort in there. Um so there's a scripture from 1 Peter 3 verse 4 on meekness that I love. Uh likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands. That that's that's not all I'm gonna read, but that's part of it. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Again, there's a really good verse about spouses make a terrible Holy Spirit. <laughs> Trying to badger and poke at, and you see how bad you were yesterday. You know, that doesn't do anyone any good. Sometimes you can win them without a word. Uh, when they see your respect and pure conduct, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold and jewelry or the wearing, the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle, that's the same word we have in Matthew for meek, of a meek and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. The meek are precious to God. We don't need any more than that. (laughs) <laughs> I want to be precious to my God, which means I better get a whole lot better at dealing with foolish people. <laughs> the meek, the, this meekness is very precious in God's sight. And again, this is being gentle and without malice or being very humble or of a sweet and peaceful spirit. The, that that Psalm quotation um, that, that, that it's pulling from, connects this meekness and inheriting the land with peace and so part of the reason we take it on the chin and we give we give a gentle answer turns away wrath we're meek with people is so that peace may win out not so that we're vindicated (laughs) which is tough very tough Uh, Now, this beatitude says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What the heck does that mean, right? Because, okay. Well, this word for earth uh, can mean earth, or more generally in the scripture, it means land. The, The meek shall inherit the land. So what about this land? Well, as a Christian, we may be successful in this world if we are kind, and non-vengeful, and humble, and free from malice, and that's true, you know, especially in business settings, um, you know, sometimes people will refer you if you're just not a terrible human being, and that's great and wonderful, <laughs> but as we think about this in the light of the New Testament, this seems to be pointing to a passage at the end of the book of Revelation, it's Revelation 21.1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, same word in the Greek there for lamp a land. I saw a new heaven and a new land. For the first earth and the first uh, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down, uh, uh, down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adored for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. And He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be." mourning, you see that, (laughs) nor cry nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. So the meek, those who are precious to God by being humble and gentle and free from malice will one day not be under the thumb or the accusation or the slander of the brutal, but will one day we're going to rule and reign with Christ. So those who are poor in spirit, who are in the kingdom, who live like they're in the kingdom by being meek, will one day not have to take anything on the chin because we're going to be rulers (laughs) alongside of Christ. Now, Jesus is systematically marching through what a Christian looks like. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs of the kingdom of heaven. There's entrance into the kingdom in the first place by understanding a dependency upon God. If this was in John, John would say it means to be born again. Do babies do anything well by themselves? <laughs> no. They need absolute dependency upon God. That's first into the kingdom. Baby. <laughs> uh, then verse. Then the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Once the believer enters into the knowledge of God and themselves, they are grieved over their sins. You know, as soon as you're saved, we see this We see this with Isaiah. Behold, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the yeah. temple. And then Isaiah, he's been prophesying for a few chapters. Oh. I mean, he's God's man. Yeah. And it says, and he became as undone. He said, woe is me and my unclean lips. He falls apart. Yeah. The closer we get with God, The more we behold of his holiness, the more we behold of our unholiness. And so here here we're seeing that progression immediately within the first two beatitudes. We enter into our depravity, into who God is. And as we draw near to him, we understand, oh, what a wretched person that we are. We we become mourners over, over sin. And we become mourners over the kingdom of sin. Uh, we mourn for others. And then the third one is blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the land. Like all believers who now turn from sin, we will be misunderstood and put under suspicion and question. And so now a Christian is someone who is criticized and responds with gentleness. Now immediately our witness comes into play. Immediately the questions, the friends we don't get high with anymore and what the heck's wrong with you and all those things that start to happen Uh our witnesses now on 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 deck, and we must respond gently. Why? So that they may know peace. Well, peace with who? <laughs> with God. <laughs> so Jesus is explaining what his uh, to, uh, to his followers what those in the kingdom should look like. And if you remember the last time we were here, I talked about the football guy. Uh, and he said, "This is a football." Do you remember that? And uh, we talked about uh, what was his name? Does anyone remember? Wait, not Gretzky. Um that's Yeah, I know nothing about sports. Anyways, it was a famous football coach, and he, he used to take his co-team through fundamentals. And every year he'd go, This is a football. <laughs> you know, and because you can't move past the basics. Um, and, and of course, the, this is what Jesus is doing. These are the ABCs of being a Christian, these are the fundamentals of kingdom living. Uh, now, there's a final element on meekness that I want to look at. That's something Jesus said in Matthew 11 verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. I love that, by the way. Uh, And you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Mm -hmm. Father, for such was your gracious will. You notice God just kind of does whatever he wants because he's God. (laughs) All things have been handled, uh, handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus gives a description of his character next. Immediately after what I just read comes a really famous portion of Scripture where he says, Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke uh, yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and meek that word means meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light that's a chiastic structure by the way that uh, Matthew 11 verse 28 29 and 30 is a chiastic structure verse 29 is dead smack in the middle Uh, And and at the focal point of it is, for I am gentle or meek and lowly in heart. Jesus gives a description of his character only here in the whole Bible or in the gospel. And of all the things Jesus could describe himself as, he chooses meek and lowly. All the ways Jesus could have described himself. He chose to reveal himself as meek and lowly in heart. And here's what I think we can extract from this beatitude as we think of the life of Christ. The meek are promised to inherit the earth in the future. But at the same time, believers are also called to inherit the earth now. As we fulfill the great commission. What was the last thing Jesus told us? Go, go go to the ends of the earth, baptize the nations and uh, and make disciples of the nations. And so as Christians, we're, we are to be and are a blessed people. Uh, when Jesus says blessed, by the way, he's drawing, I believe from Psalm 1, blessed is the righteous man. He's as a tree planted by streams, plural of living waters, right? There's, there's a nourishment there. So when we read, Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Think of a good tree planted by streams of water, Psalm 1. Uh, you know, the Psalms of the book, Jesus quotes more than any other book in the whole Bible. He's always drawing from the Psalms. And of course, because he's the son of David. He is the promised seed of David. But with uh, we're, we're, a blessed man, Psalm one flute, fruit tree. And, and, and what, what is a, what does a tree planted by streams of water? Do it bears fruit. And so we, as believers, as we are planted in the kingdom, bear fruit, we are blessed that way. And, and we can't, we can't put flourishing. If we really are good fruit trees, we can't put all our blessings only in future tense. We have to have it in present tense that we have fruit. Now a good tree bears fruit. Now, um, so here it is. As we, Psalm 1, grow in godliness and flourish, and as we, Matthew 11, put on Jesus' yoke and become Christ-like and flourish, we become, as the book of Acts points out, very capable people. We do not I don't think there's enough given to this here, but Jesus makes us skilled people. <laughs> if we grow to act more like God, Should we become less capable or more capable? (laughs) You don't hear that much. If you're filled with the spirit of the living God, should you be growing (laughs) in capability or diminishing in capability? You should be growing in these things. Uh, You know, this this is what Paul talks about. We have... Not only do we bear armor, which is awesome, but we bear fruit, which is awesome. The fruit of knowledge, peace, patience. We should be growing in these things. We should not be less capable, uh, with the Spirit of God in us than before we had Him. And the charge of Jesus to His people, uh, to us in the, in the Great Commission again is the baptized and disciple, the mas- nations, the, the meek and the Christ-like, should move in the energy and the power of the kingdom, and as Christ, what did He do? He inherited the earth. He said He has the keys. He says uh, Psalm chapter two: Behold, I have placed my King on my holy hill of Zion. He will dash the nations like a potter's vessel. He will rule them with a rod of iron. The nations are His possession, and He told us, "Go ahead, it's mine. Go take it." <laughs> We're to enter into that. We're to enter. We're to become very capable people in meekness and take the land. Uh, Immediately, immediately, God is very quick to show us this wasn't exclusively to Jesus because almost immediately in the book of Acts, do you remember Peter? He starts preaching. And, and the, the Pharisees are like, this guy won't shut up. <laughs> and then they said, and one of my favorite lines in all of scripture, it says, and behold, they realized that he had, even though they were common men, they realized they had been with Jesus. And all of a sudden it was like, these guys were world shakers. Every place they went, cities started coming to Christ and they started inheriting the land until eventually they ended up taking over Rome itself. No army could take Rome, but the meek could. (laughs) We conquered Rome itself. And And so as we grow in the knowledge and character of God, as Ecclesiastes lays out, we become understanding and mature. And as we walk with Jesus, we should mature into Christ likeness. And here's what I'm getting at. In Christ, we should become mighty men and women strengthened and equipped by God. There, there's this, we can tend to be stuck in a state of pessimism, but that we can also be, be stuck in a state of not realizing it. I think there's been so much bad teaching in prosperity circles and charismatic circles like, God wants you to be your best self ever, you know, and all that. And it's like, you know, what, what if God wants me to get malaria on a missions trip to Uganda, right? You know, that's, you know, so all that teaching is garbage, yes. But, but there's also a sense, right, that God equips his people to be very capable people. To be wise, to be skillful, that's what the book of Ecclesiastes basically is telling us. The wise man who ever lived, that's what the book of Proverbs is. We're to look, search for wisdom and knowledge more than silver and gold, which means what? We can have wisdom and knowledge if we also can have silver and gold. Uh, And so we should become skilled warriors for our king and be gentle and beautiful people striving for godly culture and godly homes. But instead of taking all this knowledge and skill and becoming proffed up with pride and ego, we should restrain ourselves and be as Christ, as meek and lowly servants of God. Now, what does meekness look like in the life of Christ? And I believe what that is, is power restrained. I think it's power restrained. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross and they started making fun of him? They go, if you're the son of God, come down from that thing. And Jesus could have ripped himself off of that cross and nuked Jerusalem if he wanted to. But he was meek. He was power restrained. He he, He desired to obey the will of the Father. He desired peace amongst difficult people. <laughs> he, he desired for humanity. Actually, uh, he, he desired humility more than personal vindication. He was perfect power restrained. And even in the face of viciousness, he was gentle and kind without malice. And as believers, remember Jesus said, it's going to be better if I leave so that the spirit may come and dwell amongst you so that we could be less capable and effective than he was. Of course not. We are now, as we walk in likeness, to also become power restrained. We, we are to be wise, intelligent, discerning. God wants us to have the spirit of discernment. We have to ask for it, but he'll give it to us. He gives generously to all without reproach, it says. And so, as a, God wants us to grow in capability, to grow in Christlikeness, and then to restrain it. Because that's what is precious in his sight. And it is those kinds of people who will what? Inherit the land. And as our accusers see us and they persecute us without cause, I think it's in either Peter or James, it says, you know, we, we can win people over this way because they're gonna look back and realize, oh my gosh, I was wrong to them. I was really wrong. You know what? Before we know it, we got a whole bunch of converts (laughs) because we chose to be power restrained and not vindicate ourselves from every foolish thing that's said about us.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Baltimore's Harford County Bible Study. If you'd like to get in touch or come visit us at Calvary Baltimore, head to calvarychapelbaltimore.org for service times and directions. If you have a prayer request or you just want to say hi, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. If you've been blessed by today's teaching and would like to donate to the work that God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. Pastor Josh and all of us at Calvary Baltimore consider it a blessing to serve you. We hope you'll join us again for the next edition of the Calvary Baltimore Harford County Bible Study.